Today is Tuesday, July 27, 2021. On this day in 1981, six-year-old Adam Walsh was kidnapped from a Sears parking lot. Some of his remains surfaced days later, but the hunt for his killer lasted almost 30 years. A new true crime podcast from the team behind Up and Vanished. In 2016, adventurer Justin Alexander was invited on a trek by an Indian holy man. They headed to a spiritual ground in the Himalayan mountains, a place beyond civilization. The holy man returned and said nothing, but Justin was never seen again. What happened to him? Dive into our investigation in Status Untraced. Available now. Listen for free on Spotify. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crime, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions and depictions of violence and murder against children that some people may find offensive and disturbing. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering the day Adam Walsh was kidnapped from a Sears parking lot. Years later, his father, John Walsh, became the host of the television program America's Most Wanted to help catch violent criminals on the run. Let's go back to Hollywood, Florida on July 27, 1981. Around noon, Reve Walsh brought her six-year-old son Adam with her to Sears to check out a lamp. Like most children, he couldn't imagine anything more boring than looking at appliances. Reve understood. That's why she stopped at the Hollywood Mall. There was a police station right across the street, which made her feel safe leaving Adam on his own for a couple of minutes. When Adam spotted several other boys taking turns on a new Atari video game console, he asked his mother if he could wait for her there. She agreed. But after she left, a teenage security guard found the boys at the kiosk fighting with each other. She asked where their parents were, and no one, not even Adam, gave an answer. So she ordered them out of the mall, forcing little Adam into the Sears parking lot. Minutes later, with a lamp in her shopping bag, Reve returned to discover the boys were gone. She dashed through the store, peeking into each of the aisles, terrified that her boy got lost looking for her. Around the same time, a 1971 white Cadillac peeled out of the parking lot. The driver was a 34-year-old drifter and serial killer, Otis Toole. While the manager paged Adam over the intercom, Reve felt a tightness in her chest. She searched for 90 minutes before calling the police. For a few heartbreaking weeks, she and Adam's father, John, put all their resources into finding their son. They papered the city with flyers, appeared on television, and personally organized search parties. Then, on August 7th, someone spotted a blue van parked on the side of the Florida Turnpike going north. An unidentified man dumped something into a drainage canal from a white bucket. Three days later, two fishermen discovered a small human head in Vero Beach, about 130 miles away from Hollywood. It belonged to Adam Walsh. The rest of his body would never be recovered. 
The investigation stalled after that for two years. Police made very little progress tracking down Adam's killer. All they did manage to do was to declare who the killer wasn't. John, Rive, and a family friend whose alibi didn't convince the police all passed their polygraph tests. Authorities landed their best tip in November of 1981 when John Terry claimed his cellmate had done the killing. This story was proven to be false, but the rumor haunted the accused man, Edward James, all his life. Police even considered serial killer and necrophile Jeffrey Dahmer as the culprit. But Dahmer told investigators that he didn't do it. Authorities believed that if he did kill Adam, he would have confessed it. Police had to drop their suspicions. With the case growing colder by the month, investigators were dead in the water. Then, in October of 1983, a new confession caught their attention. Sitting in a cell for a separate series of gruesome murders, 36-year-old Otis Toole admitted he was the one who kidnapped and murdered Adam Walsh. Unlike the other half-baked confessions investigators heard, this one was the real deal. Coming up, Otis Toole confesses. Imagine living with a secret so big that if anyone ever found out, it would change everything. Imagine carrying that secret with you every day, desperate to one day get it off your chest. Do you think you could take a secret like that to the grave? I'm Estefania Hageman, host of the new podcast series, Deathbed Confessions, the show where we dive deep into the most explosive things people have admitted to while drawing their last breath. From murder, fake identities, heists, illicit affairs, and even top government secrets. This season on Deathbed Confessions, we investigate cases like Frank Thorogood, the construction worker who claimed that the drowning of Rolling Stones founder Brian Jones was no accident. Margaret Gibson, a silent film actress who, while dying of a heart attack, confessed to one of the most famous unsolved crimes in Hollywood history. And ex-CIA officer Howard Hunt, who on his deathbed confessed to playing a role in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Deathbed Confessions is a Spotify original from Parcast, airing episodes weekly starting July 21st. Follow and listen to Deathbed Confessions for free on Spotify. Now back to the story. On July 27, 1981, six-year-old Adam Walsh was abducted from a Sears parking lot in Hollywood, Florida. His partial remains were recovered two weeks later. In April of 1983, almost two years later, police arrested Otis Toole on arson charges. Investigators later connected Toole to at least nine murders across Texas, Colorado, and Florida. After his trial, a judge sentenced Toole to death for his crimes. His response was to smile and glance around at the courtroom curiously. Toole later started confessing to a disturbing murder spree. He claimed that together with his romantic partner, Henry Lucas, he butchered 108 people over six years. Young Adam Walsh was among his victims. Toole allegedly told investigators that he lured Adam through the mall parking lot into his white Cadillac with promises of candy. 
According to Otis's story, the boy cried when Tool started to drive away and called for his mother. Adam wouldn't stop crying, so Tool slapped and hit the boy to keep him quiet until he was unconscious. Tool drove an hour north before pulling over around marker 126 on the Florida Turnpike. In a barren patch of dirt, he then hacked the boy's head off with a machete. He buried the body there, then drove up to marker 130 and dumped the head in a canal. The story was tragic, but John and Rive Walsh breathed a sigh of relief, knowing the man who killed their child was behind bars. But Otis Toole proved himself to be a completely unreliable narrator. Physicians diagnosed him with a personality disorder, causing him to exhibit impulsive and antisocial behavior. Police soon realized many of his alleged murders were fabricated. He said he'd killed at the behest of a cult called the Hand of Death, but the group was pure fiction. Otis Toole also failed to identify Adam from a series of photos. The site where he claimed to have buried the body turned up nothing. Finally, within days of his confession, Toole no longer claimed to be Adam Walsh's killer. Throughout the 80s, Toole's confessions were suspected of being part of a police agenda to tie up cold cases. In fact, one investigator fed Toole details of the Walsh case to share profits from a book and movies deal. That wasn't the only black mark on the way the authorities handled Adam's case. Crucial evidence gathered from Toole was lost, including the white Cadillac and the blood-soaked carpet from the car. One of the original investigators told reporters that after spending 100 hours questioning Otis Toole, he strongly believed the killer was not responsible for Adam's death. With the evidence lost, the case remained open and the intensely public investigation continued. Even under the crushing weight of the public tragedy, the Walsh family refused to allow the murder to destroy them. John and Reve didn't want Adam's death to be for nothing, so they campaigned for tighter guidelines for child protection and sex offender laws. With their assistance, the Missing Children's Act of 1982 was passed, granting police a quicker response time to missing children cases. This also created a database of missing children as a future resource. Most Americans recognize John Walsh from the popular TV series, America's Most Wanted. Hosted by John, the show documented real crimes while urging viewers to call in with details on the fugitives. Airing for 26 seasons, America's Most Wanted helped solve hundreds of criminal cases. In 2006, on the 25th anniversary of Adam's death, President George W. Bush signed the Adam Walsh Child Protection and Safety Act. It expanded the registration of sex offenders. In 2008, investigators finally closed Adam Walsh's murder case. They admitted that after 27 years, their main suspect, Otis Toole, should have been charged decades ago. Authorities apologized for mishandling the investigation. Otis Toole died in jail from cirrhosis of the liver on September 15, 1996, and had reportedly given a deathbed confession. 
His niece said that Toole once again claimed he killed Adam Walsh and, out of all his wrongdoings, felt guilty for that one act. John and Reve were joined by their three children for the 2008 press conference when the case was closed. John told reporters it was a wonderful day for people like his family who still hoped that their loved ones would receive justice. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Paul Liebeskin, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Daniel William Gonzalez, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Adriana Romero. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 